Section four of More New Arabian Nights by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Adventure of the Handsome Cabs. Lieutenant Brackenbury Rich had greatly distinguished himself in one of the lesser Indian Hill Wars. He it was who took the chieftain prisoner with his own hand. His gallantry was universally applauded and when he came home, prostrated by an ugly sabre-cut and a protracted jungle fever, society was prepared to welcome the lieutenant as a celebrity of minor lustre. But his was a character remarkable for unaffected modesty. Adventure was dear to his heart, but he cared little for adulation, and he waited at foreign watering-places and in Algiers until the fame of his exploits had run through its nine days' vitality and begun to be forgotten he arrived in london at last in the early season with as little observation as he could desire and as he was an orphan and had none but distant relatives who lived in the provinces it was almost as a foreigner that he installed himself in the capital of the country for which he had shed his blood on the day following his arrival he dined alone at a military club he shook hands with a few old comrades and received their warm congratulations but as one and all had some engagement for the evening he found himself left entirely to his own resources he was in dress for he had entertained the notion of visiting a theatre but the great city was new to him he had gone from a provincial school to a military college and thence direct to the eastern empire and he promised himself a variety of delights in this world for exploration swinging his cane he took his way westward it was a mild evening already dark and now and then threatening rain the succession of faces in the lamplight stirred the lieutenant's imagination and it seemed to him as if he could walk forever in that stimulating city atmosphere and surrounded by the mystery of four million private lives he glanced at the houses, and marvelled what was passing behind those warmly lighted windows. He looked into face after face, and saw them each intent upon some unknown interest, criminal or kindly. "'They talk of war,' he thought, "'but this is the great battlefield of mankind.' And then he began to wonder that he should walk so long in this complicated scene, and not chance upon so much as the shadow of an adventure for himself. "'All in good time,' he reflected i am still a stranger and perhaps wear a strange air but i must be drawn into the eddy before long the night was already well advanced when a plump of cold rain fell suddenly out of the darkness brackenbury paused under some trees and as he did so he caught sight of a handsome cabman making him a sign that he was disengaged the circumstances fell in so happily to the occasion that he at once raised his cane in answer and had soon ensconced himself in the london gondola where to sir asked the driver where you please said brackenbury and immediately at a pace of surprising swiftness the hansom drove off through the rain into a maze of villas one villa was so like another each with its front garden and there was so little to distinguish the deserted lamp-lit streets and crescents through which the flying hansom took its way that brackenbury soon lost all idea of direction he would have been tempted to believe that the cabman was amusing himself by driving him round and round and in and out about a small quarter 
but there was something businesslike in the speed which convinced him of the contrary the man had an object in view he was hastening towards a definite end and brackenbury was at once astonished at the fellow's skill in picking away through such a labyrinth and a little concerned to imagine what was the occasion of his hurry he had heard tales of strangers falling ill in london did the driver belong to some bloody and treacherous association and was he himself being whirled to a murderous death the thought had scarcely presented itself when the cab swung sharply round a corner and pulled up before the garden gate of a villa in a long and wide road the house was brilliantly lighted up another hansom had just driven away and brackenbury could see a gentleman being admitted at the front door and received by several liveried servants he was surprised that the cabman should have stopped so immediately in front of a house where a reception was being held but he did not doubt it was the result of accident and sat placidly smoking where he was until he heard the trap thrown open over his head here we are sir said the driver here repeated brackenbury where you told me to take you where i pleased sir returned the man with a chuckle and here we are it struck brackenbury that the voice was wonderfully smooth and courteous for a man so inferior a position he remembered the speed at which he had been driven and now it occurred to him that the hansom was more luxuriously appointed than the common run of public conveyances i must ask you to explain said he do you mean to turn me out into the rain my good man i suspect the choice is mine the choice is certainly yours replied the driver but when i tell you all i believe i know how a gentleman of your figure will decide there is a gentleman's party at this house i do not know whether the master be a stranger to london and without acquaintances of his own or whether he is a man of odd notions but certainly i was hired to kidnap single gentlemen in evening dress as many as i pleased but military officers by preference you have simply to go in and say that mr morris invited you are you mr morris inquired the lieutenant oh no replied the cabman mr morris is the person of the house it is not a common way of collecting guests said brackenbury but an eccentric man might very well indulge the whim without any intention to offend and suppose that i refuse mr morris's invitation he went on what then my orders are to drive you back where i took you from replied the man and set out to look for others up to midnight those who have no fancy for such an adventure mr morris said were not to be guests for him these words decided the lieutenant on the spot after all he reflected as he descended from the hansom i have not had long to wait for my adventure he had hardly found footing on the sidewalk and was still feeling in his pocket for the fare when the cab swung about and drove off by the way it came at the former breakneck velocity brackenbury shouted after the man who paid no heed and continued to drive away but the sound of his voice was overheard in the house the door was again thrown open emitting a flood of light upon the garden and a servant ran down to meet him holding an umbrella the cabman has been paid observed the servant in a very civil tone and he proceeded to escort brackenbury along the path and up the steps in the hall several other attendants relieved him of his hat cane and paletot gave him a ticket with a number in return and politely hurried him up a stair adorned with tropical flowers to the door of an apartment on the first story here a grave butler inquired his name and announcing lieutenant brackenbury rich 
ushered him into the drawing-room of the house a young man slender and singularly handsome came forward and greeted him with an air at once courtly and affectionate hundreds of candles of the finest wax lit up a room that was perfumed like the staircase with a profusion of rare and beautiful flowering shrubs a side-table was loaded with tempting viands several servants went to and fro with fruits and goblets of champagne the company was perhaps sixteen in number all men few beyond the prime of life and with hardly an exception of a dashing and capable exterior they were divided into two groups one about a roulette board and the other surrounding a table at which one of their number held a bank of baccarat i see thought brackenbury i am in a private gambling saloon and the cabman was a tout his eye had embraced the details and his mind formed the conclusion while his host was still holding him by the hand and to him his looks returned from this rapid survey at a second view mr morris surprised him still more than on the first the easy elegance of his manners the distinction amiability and courage that appeared upon his features fitted ill with the lieutenant's preconceptions on the subject of the proprietor of a hell and the tone of his conversation seemed to mark him out for a man of position and merit brackenbury found he had an instinctive liking for his entertainer and though he chid himself for the weakness he was unable to resist a sort of friendly attraction for mr morris's person and character i have heard of you lieutenant rich said mr morris lowering his tone and believe me i am gratified to make your acquaintance your looks accord you with the reputation that has preceded you from india and if you will forget for a while the irregularity of your presentation in my house i shall feel it not only an honour but a genuine pleasure besides a man who makes a mouthful of barbarian cavaliers he added with a laugh should not be appalled by a breach of etiquette however serious and he led him towards the sideboard and pressed him to partake of some refreshment upon my word the lieutenant reflected this is one of the pleasantest fellows and i do not doubt one of the most agreeable societies in london he partook of some champagne which he found excellent and observing that many of the company were already smoking he lit one of his own manillas and strolled up to the roulette board where he sometimes made a stake and sometimes looked on smilingly on the fortune of others it was while he was thus idling that he became aware of a sharp scrutiny to which the whole of the guests were subjected mr morris went here and there ostensibly busied on hospitable concerns but he had ever a shrewd glance at disposal not a man of the party escaped his sudden searching looks he took stock of the bearing of heavy losers he valued the amount of the stakes he paused behind couples who were deep in conversation and in a word there was hardly a characteristic of any one present but he seemed to catch and make a note of it brackenbury began to wonder if this were indeed a gambling hell it had so much the air of a private inquisition he followed mr morris in all his movements and although the man had a ready smile he seemed to perceive as it were under a mask a haggard careworn and preoccupied spirit the fellows around him laughed and made their game but brackenbury had lost interest in the guests this morris thought he is no idler in the room some deep purpose inspires him let it be mine to fathom it now and then mr morris would call one of his visitors aside and after a brief colloquy in an ante-room 
he would return alone and the visitors in question reappeared no more after a certain number of repetitions this performance excited brackenbury's curiosity to a high degree he determined to be at the bottom of this minor mystery at once and strolling into the ante-room found a deep window recess concealed by curtains of the fashionable green here he hurriedly ensconced himself nor had he to wait long before the sound of steps and voices drew near him from the principal apartment peering through the division he saw mr morris escorting a fat and ruddy personage with somewhat the look of a commercial traveller whom brackenbury had already remarked for his coarse laugh and underbred behaviour at the table the pair halted immediately before the window so that brackenbury lost not a word of the following discourse i beg you a thousand pardons began mr morris with the most conciliatory manner and if i appear rude i am sure you will readily forgive me in a place so great as london accidents must continually happen and the best that we can hope is to remedy them with as small delay as possible i will not deny that i fear you have made a mistake and honoured my poor house by inadvertence for to speak openly i cannot at all remember your appearance let me put the question without unnecessary circumlocution between gentlemen of honour a word will suffice under whose roof do you suppose yourself to be that of mr morris replied the other with a prodigious display of confusion which had been visibly growing upon him throughout the last few words mr john or mr james morris inquired the host i really cannot tell you returned the unfortunate guest i am not personally acquainted with the gentleman any more than i am with yourself i see said mr morris there is another person of the same name farther down the street and i have no doubt the policeman will be able to supply you with his number believe me i felicitate myself on the misunderstanding which has procured me the pleasure of your company for so long and let me express a hope that we may meet again upon a more regular footing meantime i would not for the world detain you longer from your friends john he added raising his voice will you see that this gentleman finds his greatcoat and with the most agreeable air mr morris escorted his visitor as far as the ante-room door where he left him under conduct of the butler as he passed the window on his return to the drawing-room brackenbury could hear him utter a profound sigh as though his mind was loaded with a great anxiety and his nerves already fatigued with the task on which he was engaged for perhaps an hour the hansoms kept arriving with such frequency that mr morris had to receive a new guest for every old one that he sent away and the company preserved its number undiminished but towards the end of that time the arrivals grew few and far between and at length ceased entirely while the process of elimination was continued with unimpaired activity the drawing-room began to look empty the baccarat was discontinued for lack of a banker more than one person said good-night of his own accord and was suffered to depart without expostulation and in the meanwhile mr morris redoubled in agreeable attentions to those who stayed behind he went from group to group and from person to person with looks of the readiest sympathy and the most pertinent and pleasing talk he was not so much like a host as like a hostess and there was a feminine coquetry and condescension in his manner which charmed the hearts of all 
as the guests grew thinner lieutenant rich strolled for a moment out of the drawing-room into the hall in quest of fresher air but he had no sooner passed the threshold of the antechamber than he was brought to a dead halt by a discovery of the most surprising nature the flowering shrubs had disappeared from the staircase three large furniture wagons stood before the garden gate the servants were busy dismantling the house upon all sides and some of them had already donned their greatcoats and were preparing to depart it was like the end of a country ball where everything has been supplied by contract brackenbury had indeed some matter for reflection first the guests who were no real guests after all had been dismissed and now the servants who could hardly be genuine servants were actively dispersing was the whole establishment a sham he asked himself the mushroom of a single night which should disappear before morning watching a favourable opportunity brackenbury dashed upstairs to the highest regions of the house it was as he had expected he ran from room to room and saw not a stick of furniture nor so much as a picture on the walls although the house had been painted and papered it was not only uninhabited at present but plainly had never been inhabited at all the young officer remembered with astonishment its specious settled and hospitable air on his arrival it was only at a prodigious cost that the imposture could have been carried out upon so great a scale who then was mr morris what was his intention in thus playing the householder for a single night in the remote west of london and why did he collect his visitors at hazard from the streets brackenbury remembered that he had already delayed too long and hastened to join the company many had left during his absence and counting the lieutenant and his host there were not more than five persons in the drawing-room recently so thronged mr morris greeted him as he re-entered the apartment with a smile and immediately rose to his feet it is now time gentlemen said he to explain my purpose in decoying you from your amusements i trust you did not find the evening hang very dully on your hands but my object i will confess it was not to entertain your leisure but to help myself in an unfortunate necessity you are all gentlemen he continued your appearance does you that much justice and i ask for no better security hence i speak it without concealment i ask you to render me a dangerous and delicate service dangerous because you may run the hazard of your lives and delicate because i must ask an absolute discretion upon all that you shall see or hear from an utter stranger the request is almost comically extravagant i am well aware of this and i would add at once if there be any one present who has heard enough if there be one among the party who recoils from a dangerous confidence and a piece of quixotic devotion to he knows not whom here is my hand ready and i shall wish him good-night and godspeed with all the sincerity in the world a very tall black man with a heavy stoop immediately responded to this appeal i commend your frankness sir said he and for my part i go i make no reflections but i cannot deny that you fill me with suspicious thoughts i go myself as i say and perhaps you will think i have no right to add words to my example on the contrary replied mr morris i am obliged to you for all you say it would be impossible to exaggerate the gravity of my proposal well gentlemen what do you say said the tall man addressing the others we have had our evening's frolic shall we all go homeward peaceably in a body 
you will think well of my suggestion in the morning when you see the sun again in innocence and safety the speaker pronounced the last words with an intonation which added to their force and his face wore a singular expression full of gravity and significance another of the company rose hastily and with some appearance of alarm prepared to take his leave there were only two who held their ground brackenbury and an old red-nosed cavalry major but these two preserved a nonchalant demeanour and beyond a look of intelligence which they rapidly exchanged appeared entirely foreign to the discussion that had just been terminated mr morris conducted the deserters as far as the door which he closed upon their heels then he turned round disclosing a countenance of mingled relief and animation and addressed the two officers as follows i have chosen my men like joshua in the bible said mr morris and now i believe i have the pick of london your appearance pleased my handsome cabmen then it delighted me i have watched your behaviour in a strange company and under the most unusual circumstances i have studied how you played and how you bore your losses lastly i have put you to the test of a staggering announcement and you received it like an invitation to dinner it is not for nothing he cried that i have been for years the companion and the pupil of the bravest and wisest potentate in europe at the affair of bunderchang observed the major i asked for twelve volunteers and every trooper in the ranks replied to my appeal but a gaming party is not the same thing as a regiment under fire you may be pleased i suppose to have found two and two who will not fail you at a push as for the pair who ran away i count them among the most pitiful hounds i ever met with lieutenant rich he added addressing brackenbury i have heard much of you of late and i cannot doubt but you have also heard of me i am major o'rourke and the veteran tendered his hand which was red and tremulous to the young lieutenant who has not answered brackenbury when this little matter is settled said mr morris you will think i have sufficiently rewarded you for i could offer neither a more valuable service than to make him acquainted with the other and now said major o'rourke is it a duel a duel after a fashion replied mr morris a duel with unknown and dangerous enemies and as i gravely fear a duel to the death i must ask you he continued to call me morris no longer call me if you please hammersmith my real name as well as that of another person to whom i hope to present you before long you will gratify me by not asking and not seeking to discover for yourselves three days ago the person of whom i speak disappeared suddenly from home and until this morning i received no hint of his situation you will fancy my alarm when i tell you that he is engaged upon a work of private justice bound by an unhappy oath too lightly sworn he finds it necessary without the help of law to rid the earth of an insidious and bloody villain already two of our friends and one of them my own born brother have perished in the enterprise he himself or i am much deceived is taken in the same fatal toils but at least he still lives and still hopes as this billet sufficiently proves and the speaker no other than colonel geraldine proffered a letter thus conceived major hammersmith on wednesday at three a m you will be admitted by the small door to the gardens of rochester house regent's park by a man who is entirely in my interest i must request you not to fail me by a second pray bring my case of swords and if you can find them one or two gentlemen of conduct and discretion to whom my person is unknown 
my name must not be used in this affair t godall from his wisdom alone if he had no other title pursued colonel geraldine when the others had each satisfied his curiosity my friend is a man whose direction should implicitly be followed i need not tell you therefore that i have not so much as visited the neighbourhood of rochester house and that i am still as wholly in the dark as either of yourselves as to the nature of my friend's dilemma i betook myself as soon as i had received this order to a furnishing contractor and in a few hours the house in which we now are had assumed its late air of festival my scheme was at least original and i am far from regretting an action which has procured me the services of major o'rooke and lieutenant brackenbury rich but the servants in the street will have a strange awakening the house which this evening was full of lights and visitors they will find uninhabited and for sale to-morrow morning thus even the most serious concerns added the colonel have a merry side and let us add a merry ending said brackenbury the colonel consulted his watch it is now hard on two he said we have an hour before us and a swift cab is at the door tell me if i may count upon your help during a long life replied major o'rooke i never took back my hand from anything nor so much as hedged a bet brackenbury signified his readiness in the most becoming terms and after they had drunk a glass or two of wine the colonel gave each of them a loaded revolver and the three mounted into the cab and drove off for the address in question rochester house was a magnificent residence on the banks of the canal the large extent of the garden isolated it in an unusual degree from the annoyances of neighbourhood it seemed the park assir of some great nobleman or millionaire as far as could be seen from the street there was not a glimmer of light in any of the numerous windows of the mansion and the place had a look of neglect as though the master had been long from home the cab was discharged and the three gentlemen were not long in discovering the small door which was a sort of postern in a lane between two garden walls it still wanted ten or fifteen minutes of the appointed time the rain fell heavily and the adventurers sheltered themselves below some pendant ivy and spoke in low tones of the approaching trial suddenly geraldine raised his finger to command silence and all three bent their hearing to the utmost through the continuous noise of the rain the steps and voices of two men became audible from the other side of the wall and as they drew nearer brackenbury whose sense of hearing was remarkably acute could even distinguish some fragments of their talk is the grave dug asked one it is replied the other behind the laurel hedge when the job is done we can cover it with a pile of stakes the first speaker laughed and the sound of his merriment was shocking to the listeners on the other side in an hour from now he said and by the sound of the steps it was obvious that the pair had separated and were proceeding in contrary directions almost immediately after the postern door was cautiously opened a white face was protruded into the lane and a hand was seen beckoning to the watchers in dead silence the three passed the door which was immediately locked behind them and followed their guide through several garden alleys to the kitchen entrance of the house a single candle burned in the great paved kitchen which was destitute of the customary furniture and as the party proceeded to ascend from thence by a flight of winding stairs a prodigious noise of rats testified still more plainly to the dilapidation of the house their conductor preceded them carrying the candle 
he was a lean man much bent but still agile and he turned from time to time and admonished silence and caution by his gestures colonel geraldine followed on his heels the case of swords under one arm and a pistol ready in the other brackenbury's heart beat thickly he perceived that they were still in time but he judged from the alacrity of the old man that the hour of action must be near at hand and the circumstances of this adventure were so obscure and menacing the place seemed so well chosen for the darkest acts that an older man than brackenbury might have been pardoned a measure of emotion as he closed the procession up the winding stair at the top the guide threw open a door and ushered the three officers before him into a small apartment lighted by a smoky lamp and the glow of a modest fire at the chimney corner sat a man in the early prime of life and of a stout but courtly and commanding appearance his attitude and expression were those of the most unmoved composure he was smoking a cheroot with much enjoyment and deliberation and on a table by his elbow stood a long glass of some effervescing beverage which diffused an agreeable odour through the room welcome said he extending his hand to colonel geraldine i knew i might count on your exactitude and my devotion replied the colonel with a bow present me to your friends continued the first and when that ceremony had been performed i wish gentlemen he added with the most exquisite affability that i could offer you a more cheerful programme it is ungracious to inaugurate an acquaintance upon serious affairs but the compulsion of events is stronger than the obligations of good fellowship i hope and believe you will be able to forgive me this unpleasant evening and for men of your stamp it will be enough to know that you are conferring a considerable favour your highness said the major must pardon my bluntness i am unable to hide what i know for some time back i have suspected major hammersmith but mr godall is unmistakable to seek two men in london unacquainted with prince florizel of bohemia was to ask too much at fortune's hands prince florizel cried brackenbury in amazement and he gazed with the deepest interest on the features of the celebrated personage before him i shall not lament the loss of my incognito remarked the prince for it enables me to thank you with the more authority you would have done as much for mr godall i feel sure as for the prince of bohemia but the latter can perhaps do more for you the gain is mine he added with a courteous gesture and the next moment he was conversing with the two officers about the indian army and the native troops a subject on which as on all others he had a remarkable fund of information and the soundest views there was something so striking in this man's attitude at a moment of deadly peril that brackenbury was overcome with respectful admiration nor was he less sensible to the charm of his conversation or the surprising amenity of his address every gesture every intonation was not only noble in itself but seemed to ennoble the fortunate mortal for whom it was intended and brackenbury confessed to himself with enthusiasm that this was a sovereign for whom a brave man might thankfully lay down his life many minutes had thus passed when the person who had introduced them into the house and who had sat ever since in a corner and with his watch in his hand arose and whispered a word into the prince's ear it is well dr noel replied florizel aloud and then addressing the others you will excuse me gentlemen he added if i have to leave you in the dark the moment now approaches dr noel extinguished the lamp a faint grey light premonitory of the dawn illuminated the window but was not sufficient to illuminate the room 
and when the prince rose to his feet it was impossible to distinguish his features or to make a guess at the nature of the emotion which obviously affected him as he spoke he moved toward the door and placed himself at one side of it in an attitude of the wariest attention you will have the kindness he said to maintain the strictest silence and to conceal yourselves in the densest of the shadow the three officers and the physician hastened to obey and for nearly ten minutes the only sound in rochester house was occasioned by the excursions of the rats behind the woodwork at the end of that period a loud creak of a hinge broke in with surprising distinctness on the silence and shortly after the watchers could distinguish a slow and cautious tread approaching up the kitchen stair at every second step the intruder seemed to pause and lend an ear and during these intervals which seemed of an incalculable duration a profound disquiet possessed the spirit of the listeners dr noel accustomed as he was to dangerous emotions suffered an almost pitiful physical prostration his breath whistled in his lungs his teeth grated one upon another and his joints cracked aloud as he nervously shifted his position at last a hand was laid upon the door and the bolt shot back with a slight report there followed another pause during which brackenbury could see the prince draw himself together noiselessly as if for some unusual exertion then the door opened letting in a little more of the light of the morning and the figure of a man appeared upon the threshold and stood motionless he was tall and carried a knife in his hand even in the twilight they could see his upper teeth bare and glistening for his mouth was open like that of a hound about to leap the man had evidently been over the head in water but a minute or two before and even while he stood there the drops kept falling from his wet clothes and pattered on the floor the next moment he crossed the threshold there was a leap a stifled cry an instantaneous struggle and before colonel geraldine could spring to his aid the prince held the man disarmed and helpless by the shoulders dr noel he said you will be so good as to relight the lamp and relinquishing the charge of his prisoner to geraldine and brackenbury he crossed the room and set his back against the chimney-piece as soon as the lamp had kindled the party beheld an unaccustomed sternness on the prince's features it was no longer florizel the careless gentleman it was the prince of bohemia justly incensed and full of deadly purpose who now raised his head and addressed the captive president of the suicide club president he said you have laid your last snare and your own feet are taken in it the day is beginning it is your last morning you have just swum the regent's canal it is your last bathe in this world your old accomplice dr noel so far from betraying me has delivered you into my hands for judgment and the grave you had dug for me this afternoon shall serve in god's almighty providence to hide your own just doom from the curiosity of mankind kneel and pray sir if you have a mind that way for your time is short and god is weary of your iniquities the president made no answer either by word or sign but continued to hang his head and gaze sullenly on the floor as though he were conscious of the prince's prolonged and unsparing regard gentlemen continued florizel resuming the ordinary tone of his conversation this is a fellow who has long eluded me but whom thanks to dr noel i now have tightly by the heels to tell the story of his misdeeds would occupy more time than we can now afford but if the canal had contained nothing but the blood of his victims i believe the wretch would have been no drier than you see him 
even in an affair of this sort i desire to preserve the forms of honour but i make you the judges gentlemen this is more an execution than a duel and to give the rogue his choice of weapons would be to push too far a point of etiquette i cannot afford to lose my life in such a business he continued unlocking the case of swords and as a pistol bullet travels so often on the wings of chance and skill and courage may fall by the most trembling marksman i have decided and i feel sure you will approve my determination to put this question to the touch of swords when brackenbury and major o'rooke to whom these remarks were particularly addressed had each intimated his approval quick sir added prince florizel to the president choose a blade and do not keep me waiting i have an impatience to be done with you for ever for the first time since he was captured and disarmed the president raised his head and it was plain that he began instantly to pluck up courage is it to be stand up he asked eagerly and between you and me i mean so far to honour you replied the prince oh come cried the president with a fair field who knows how things may happen i must add that i consider it handsome behaviour on your highness part and if the worst comes to the worst i shall die by one of the most gallant gentlemen in europe and the president liberated by those who had detained him stepped up to the table and began with minute attention to select a sword he was highly elated and seemed to feel no doubt that he should issue victorious from the contest the spectators grew alarmed in the face of so entire a confidence and adjured prince florizel to reconsider his intention it is but a farce he answered and i think i can promise you gentlemen that it will not be long a playing your highness will be careful not to overreach said colonel geraldine geraldine returned the prince did you ever know me fail in a debt of honour i owe you this man's death and you shall have it the president at last satisfied himself with one of the rapiers and signified his readiness by a gesture that was not devoid of a rude nobility the nearness of peril and the sense of courage even to this obnoxious villain lent an air of manhood and a certain grace the prince helped himself at random to a sword colonel geraldine and dr noel he said will have the goodness to await me in this room i wish no personal friend of mine to be involved in this transaction major o'rooke you are a man of some years and a settled reputation let me recommend the president to your good graces lieutenant rich will be so good as to lend me his attentions a young man cannot have too much experience in such affairs your highness replied brackenbury it is an honour i shall prize extremely it is well returned prince florizel i shall hope to stand your friend in more important circumstances and so saying he led the way out of the apartment and down the kitchen stairs the two men who were thus left alone threw open the window and leaned out straining every sense to catch an indication of the tragical events that were about to follow the rain was now over day had almost come and the birds were piping in the shrubbery and on the forest trees of the garden the prince and his companions were visible for a moment as they followed an alley between two flowering thickets but at the first corner a clump of foliage intervened and they were again concealed from view this was all that the colonel and the physician had an opportunity to see and the garden was so vast and the place of combat evidently so remote from the house that not even the noise of sword-play reached their ears he has taken him towards the grave said dr noel with a shudder god cried the colonel god defend the right and they awaited the event in silence the doctor shaking with fear the colonel in an agony of sweat 
many minutes must have elapsed the day was sensibly broader and the birds were singing more heartily in the garden before a sound of returning footsteps recalled their glances towards the door it was the prince and the two indian officers who entered god had defended the right i am ashamed of my emotion said prince florizel i feel it as a weakness unworthy of my station but the continued existence of that hound of hell had begun to prey upon me like a disease and his death has more refreshed me than a night of slumber look geraldine he continued throwing his sword upon the floor there is the blood of the man who killed your brother it should be a welcome sight and yet he added see how strangely we men are made my revenge is not yet five minutes old and already i am beginning to ask myself if even revenge be attainable on this precarious stage of life the ill he did who can undo it the career in which he amassed a huge fortune for the house itself in which we stand belonged to him that career is now a part of the destiny of mankind for ever and i might weary myself making thrusts in cart until the crack of judgment and geraldine's brother would be none the less dead and a thousand other innocent persons would be none the less dishonoured and debauched the existence of a man is so small a thing to take so mighty a thing to employ alas he cried is there anything in life so disenchanting as attainment god's justice has been done replied the doctor so much i behold the lesson your highness has been a cruel one for me and i await my own turn with deadly apprehension what was i saying cried the prince i have punished and here is the man beside us who can help me to undo ah dr noel you and i have before us many a day of hard and honourable toil and perhaps before we have none you may have more than redeemed your early errors and in the meantime said the doctor let me go and bury my oldest friend and this observes the erudite arabian is the fortunate conclusion of the tale the prince it is superfluous to mention forgot none of those who served him in this great exploit and to this day his authority and influence help them forward in their public career while his condescending friendship adds a charm to their private life to collect continues my author all the strange events in which this prince has played the part of providence were to fill the habitable globe with books but the stories which relate to the fortunes of the rajah's diamond are of too entertaining a description says he to be omitted following prudently in the footsteps of this oriental we shall now begin the series to which he refers with the story of the bandbox end of section four Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.